the infrastructure funding gap in emerging and frontier markets is so large that we cannot solely rely on traditional funding solutions. Innovation is required. One innovative and highly effective approach is to tap into and develop secondary markets. By making it easier for market participants to buy and sell loans or bonds, we can ensure that money flows better to where it's most needed. You're listening to Blended Knowledge, a podcast from Garantco, a private infrastructure development group company set up to help mobilize long-term local currency financing into domestic infrastructure in lower-income countries across Africa and Asia. I'm your host, Marjolein van Kampen. And I'm Hector Santos. So let's discuss secondary markets, one of the thematic areas in the PIDGE 2023 to 2030 strategy, and how they help address this funding gap. Bond instruments are often buy and hold investments, resulting in investors being locked in for many years. This can be daunting for some investors who simply won't take the plunge, and if they do, borrowers pay an illiquidity premium on the funding. But this can be addressed by increasing the tradability of bonds through secondary markets. Another market mechanism we can use to enhance secondary market liquidity is securitizations, where we bundle infrastructure loans into securities that people can invest in. This helps banks exit loans they no longer need to hold on their balance sheets and allow investors to buy them. Shortly, we'll hear about how we make this happen. But first, let me introduce you to our guests. We've got Brian Woon, Head of Structuring and Distribution at Bayfront Infrastructure, Ala Ahmad, CEO at MetLife Bangladesh, and from Garantco we have Lethal Falaki, CEO, and Jonathan Neo, Associate Director. Leith, can you start by giving us a bit more detail about secondary markets and how giving investors the opportunity to sell and trade investments helps to address the infrastructure funding gap? Certainly. I think the first thing to say is to create a secondary market, you really need to have developed a primary market. We've been very good at doing that in the past, crowding in institutional investors, getting issuances listed. However, that only goes so far because if investors haven't got a route to exit, then they are less likely to come in. Creating that liquidity within the market and allowing them that route to exit really does increase mobilization and the demand for such instruments. Typically, institutional investors are looking at AAA-rated corporate paper or government paper. So when it's de-risked with a, a guarantee or a securitization structure, obviously, they are more interested in investing. Having said that, there's then that illiquidity premium. Infrastructure assets tend to be long-term, 10, 15, 20 years. Institutional investors will not be interested in coming in for that sort of duration of time unless they can be certain that there is some route to exit. I think by introducing the mechanisms that we've done in PRAN and also with the securitization on the Bayfront transaction, we've created that secondary liquidity. So if you look on the on the demand side first, there's a real maturity mismatch, which I, I have described. On the supply side, projects typically don't get off the ground because they need that 10, 15 year funding. Banks are not typically willing to give that because they have their own liquidity hurdles to negotiate the NSFR, for example. However, if they can find a mechanism 
for getting those assets off their balance sheet within three, four years after the de-risking period, which is what they're very good at, you know, seeing it through construction, moving it off their balance sheet, then you're going to get much more supply. They'll be able to then generate more assets, they'll free up funding, and there'll be much more supply. That will then create a, a deeper asset pool. The deeper the asset pool, the more liquidity then comes into the market. And the more instruments there are to trade, the more mobilization that we see. So it then becomes, if you like, a, a virtuous circle. Jonathan, how do the secondary opportunities within capital markets deepen the pool of market participants? Then what we have observed in many of the emerging markets that we operate in is that bank financing remains the primary and dominant channel for debt raising for many infrastructure corporates and projects. And the capacity from capital markets tend to take more time to develop. But in a way, this is also expected. Rather, it should be expected because of the structured nature of capital market products, such as bonds and notes, and the regulatory environment, as well as capacity of many market players, such as the bond investors, the issuers themselves, the arrangers, the rating agencies, across the entire ecosystem that really needs to be built up in a very concerted manner. And, and therefore, the transactions that uh, Garanko has embarked on, such as the Pran and the Bayron transactions, are really critical in demonstrating the effectiveness and the, the viability of such transactions in the markets and, and are critical in deepening the pool of market participants over time. These transactions, in my view, translate the concepts that we talked about, talk a lot about uh, into reality. And the guaranteed instruments as such will allow investors to take their first step to becoming exposed to the infrastructure asset class and over time build this understanding of the behavior and performance of the transactions. And in capital markets and secondary markets trade, this can be structured to suit institutional investors that have a more conservative credit appetite. And we observe that these are the investors that would prefer to have exposure to relatively lower risk assets, uh, more stable cash flows, and they're willing to accept lower yield correspondingly. And that tends to be the behavior of infrastructure assets after it stabilizes a number of years after construction period or through diversification of the assets, infrastructure uh, assets, across countries and sectors in these type of products. And could you tell us how this was implemented for the second transaction with Pran Agro in Bangladesh? Yes, yes. And I think this really brings what I've just said to life in, in that through Pran Agro in Bangladesh, we follow up our first transaction in 2021 and that was for a Bangladeshi Taka 2.1 billion seven-year onshore bond instrument that was 100% guaranteed to a tr- bond transaction closed last year, eight-year bond instrument Bangladeshi Taka 2.6 billion that has been closed with a partial guarantee structure. Referring to the, the comment I earlier made, this shift from a full 100% guarantee cover to a partial one was significant in demonstrating and building this interest and appetite 
from the investors to take direct exposure to the underlying credit. And again, it speaks to this effort in building capacity to deepen the, the investor pool for infrastructure and related assets in the markets that we operate in. And furthermore, the Pran bonds have also been recently listed on the newly created Alternatives Trading Board, which is on the Dhaka Stock Exchange. And this is yet another step in the, the longer journey towards developing the broader capital market ecosystem and deepening this investor pool for the countries we operate in. Garantco partnered with Medlife Bangladesh on the second transaction with Pran Agro. And we've got Ala Ahmad, CEO Medlife Bangladesh, with us now. Ala, welcome to our podcast. What benefits have you seen to the local market from the further development of secondary market? And with the listing of the Pran bond on the alternate trading board as an example of this. Thank you. To give you a background on why we are investing in bonds and its impact on the secondary market, let me share some information on MetLife in Bangladesh. We are the leading life insurance company in the country, serving more than 1 million individual customers and 900 corporate clients. The size and scope of our business makes us one of the largest investors in the country, and investment is a very important part of our business. Investments, especially good and secure investments, are vital for an insurance company for sustainable growth and providing good returns for the customers. Over the past few years, in addition to investing in government bonds, we have also started looking into investment opportunities in private sectors. So far, we have invested in four corporate bonds, and two of them are in Pranagro, one of the Bangladesh's largest conglomerates. Total investment in these two bonds in Pranagro amounts to around 49 million US dollars. The first investment in Pran bond took place in 2021. And in 2023, it was one of the first series of corporate bonds to be listed in the Alternative Trading Board, which is a newly launched secondary marketplace for alternative financing available to the institutional and individual investors. This is a very good start for the local bond market. As large and reputed companies like MetLife come forward, it boosts the confidence in the country's secondary market. Traditionally, corporates have been utilizing banks and stock markets for their financing need, and a vibrant bond market will encourage companies to utilize corporate bonds. We have also seen very encouraging interest from various corporates who want to issue their own bonds and seek funding from MetLife. Now, let's talk about the next phase of alternative financing for the country, which is the newly launched Alternative Trading Board in Bangladesh. It's a perfect matchmaking between investors looking for enhanced liquidity and corporates looking for alternative financing. And this is backed by bonds issued through the expertise of the corporate issuing the bonds and our regulators. As Bangladesh is going through rapid economic growth, you can understand how important it is for corporates to have a trusted source of financing. And I'm glad that Metla Bangladesh was one of the first investors who are contributing towards the development of the country's secondary market. We'd like to highlight a transaction between Bayfront and Garanko that shows how effective securitizations can be. We have the head of structuring and distribution, Brian Woon, with us. Brian, can you tell us about the transaction and Garanko's participation? Thank you, Hector. So the transaction we're talking about is Bayfront Infrastructure Capital 4, 
or BIC4 in short. It's our fourth issuance of Infrastructure Asset-Backed Securities, IABS in short. This follows on from previous deals that we issued in 2018, 2021, and 2022. So BIC4 was a 410 million US dollars issuance comprising four classes of listed notes that were awarded investment grade ratings by Moody's. It also includes an unrated and unlisted mezzanine tranche known as the Class D notes, as well as an equity tranche in the form of preference shares. The transaction closed in September 2023 after more than six months of preparation work. The outcome of the transaction was extremely successful by all accounts. We received the highest oversubscription ever for an IABS issuance at 1.9 times across all tranches and the most granular order book ever with 29 investors participating. And this included 17 new investors who had not previously participated in our previous IABS offerings. There were also other milestones, such as the innovative guarantee structure which we introduced for this Class D mezzanine tranche. And that's the focus of our work with Garanco for this transaction. The credit enhancement that was provided by Garanco through this guarantee was, was vital in placing the Class D tranche with investors. It was the first time that Bayfront has marketed and sold a mezzanine tranche that's rated below investment grade in terms of its intrinsic rating. And also the first time we've introduced a third-party guarantee on one of our tranches. I guess for, for Garanco, it was also a first in terms of the first time that they delve into the securitized product space. And so there was a lot of um, education on both sides. For us at Bayfront, it was appreciating the strong ESG footprint and sustainable development angle of Garanco and their policies. To satisfy this ESG requirement, we allocated some of the eligible green projects in the portfolio, such as renewable energy transactions, to Garanco's exposure in this Class D tranche. We eventually placed the entire Class D tranche with Apollo Global Management, but in fact, it was well oversubscribed with another two or three investors also interested. Effectively, it was a securitized note, but it also benefited from credit enhancement and ratings uplift from the intrinsic double B rating of the tranche all the way to Garanco's A1 rating by Moody's. The spread on offer that was paid to Apollo of 350 basis points over SOFA also represented a decent yield pickup versus similar single-A rated corporate debt and corporate bonds. We believe this product is replicable in future, and we have already started discussions with Hector and Nishan and the rest of the Karen Co team on how we can approach and market this idea again for our next transaction, which will be BIC5 this year. So could we talk a little bit more about securitizations, how they work, and specifically the securitization of infrastructure loans through IABS? So securitization is really a risk transfer mechanism. And it's one of several forms of secured funding that are used in the market. Others may include covered bonds, repo transactions, and securities lending. Securitization has existed in some form or another for decades. If you mention the term securitization, many people on the street would associate it with mortgage-backed securities and the US subprime mortgage crisis that triggered the global financial crisis back in the late noughties. So there is perhaps an unfair stigma attached to securitization, but as an asset class in itself, it has traditionally experienced very low default rates relative to unsecured corporate debt. Besides residential and commercial mortgages, it has also been used commonly across other asset classes, including auto loans, SME loans, credit cards, and student loans. Essentially, any asset with a steady and reliable cash flow profile can be securitized. More esoteric securitizations have been structured for whiskey, for wine, state lotteries, and music royalties. Remember Bowie Bonds, named after the musician David Bowie? Yes, that's, I guess, one very esoteric kind of asset class that's used for securitization. 
One key feature about securitization is tranching of risk exposures that's not available in terms of normal corporate debt. So tranching provides investors with a menu of options. They can choose from the safest, most senior ranking tranche with the lowest spread, all the way to the riskiest, most junior equity tranche, which pays variable but high returns. And this, there are also other senior mezzanine tranches in between. So coming back to IABS, we at Bayfront believe that InfraDebt has the right profile for securitization. I would say that IABS helps to galvanize institutional capital into infrastructure financing. And it presents an alternative channel for investors to deploy their money compared to direct investments into single-name loans or bonds. And this is further enhanced through other securitization features such as credit subordination, tranching, and diversification. And finally, Leith, what does secondary market liquidity tell us about the development and sophistication of a market? I think we can't really say that we have developed a capital market unless we do generate that secondary liquidity. Of course, it's really important that we do introduce institutional investors to this asset class you know and that primary phase is really important but you're only really going to get true mobilization when you're able to get institutional investors to not only increase their investment in these type of instruments but also really broaden the base of investors and secondary market really does do that and of course it is as i've described before a virtuous circle because The more investors you get, the more liquidity you get in the market, then the greater the supply becomes on the banking side. So I think that is a great way of us looking to bridge that infrastructure gap, which we know is absolutely vast across our markets, generating more infrastructure assets and finding more people to invest in. Thanks to Brian Woon from Bayfront Infrastructure, Ala Ahmad from MedLife Bangladesh and Leit Alfalaki and Jonathan Neo from Garantco for joining Hector and myself on this podcast. And thank you for listening to this episode of Garantco's Blended Knowledge podcast series. If you would like to find out more about our approach and vision, please visit garantco.com. <laughs>